but it just dawned on me that you know if the students could come to class and have that more drilly rote learned bit finished then our class could just purely be used for you know the good stuff the stuff that they couldn't really do without a teacher um if if you're you know let's say your lesson is you know animals or something like that right and the kids come to class and they already know those animals they can say them they can spell them or whatever um then what do you do with your hour in class Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Inside Japan podcast, which is sponsored by Jobs in Japan, the best place on the internet to find your next job in Japan. I'm Charlie, and on this episode, I'm speaking with Adam Cardos, the owner of English Access, who's created a fun interactive game for kids to learn English. We talk about the failure of the grammar translation method, how kids actually learn languages, and Adam's audacious goal of getting rote learning out of the classroom so that teachers can spend their time meaningfully connecting the dots with students. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Adam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. I'm really looking forward to to talking with you. Yeah, uh tell me a little bit about why you started Gamerized Dictionary. Gamerized Dictionary, it's it's it I mean the name is dictionary, so it is essentially a dictionary, but it doesn't look anything like a dictionary. Um I'd call it a gamified learner dictionary, um and it's something that um teachers can use with uh, their students or schools can use with their students um they can assign vocabulary or or sentence lists to their students um it's got voice recognition um spaced repetition ai reviews um and it essentially sends when the kids get the um the assignments from teachers they go on a short little sequence of games which we call an adventure um and it yep yeah, that's basically what it does so it it teaches mainly uh vocabulary and sentences basic grammar patterns and that kind of thing uh but it's a very flexible kind of solution it's not um it's not like a course which mm. is a, is a program so that's kind of an important thing of it yeah that's good because um i think i've seen the kinds of things that i saw when i was trying to learn japanese from video games because that was like my first my first thought like okay if there's a video game out there that can help me with this and it was just a lot of you know kind of like rpg mechanics or something and then mm-hmm. you just a word flies up out of context with no you know right. like or uh, you know a hiragana thing and if you can you know write down what it is in in english letters then right. you get the point and it's like but it doesn't really help you uh, with functional language uh use you know i don't really know how to use a lot of those things yeah. or you know if i see that thing in another context i might not recognize it So yeah there there's definitely a lot out there that kind of works with translations because that's a kind of a quick and easy way to do it isn't it mm-hmm. um just matching meanings to words um i mean so what gamerized dictionary isn't and and this is again as a as a lead into your question i think this is an important part uh it's not a way to learn an entire language we didn't design this thinking people will use this and they'll learn uh, a language we think it's a support tool um and that's i'm a strong believer in that especially for kids um they shouldn't be you know trying to get all of their needs from one app or one program or whatever it's 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 a part it helps with part of the puzzle i'd say put it that way but like um i mean i guess uh, my road to kind of developing gamerized dictionary um my my background in teaching what what i really kind of believe in um i i did my delta module 3 in clil um so content and language learning in, uh integrated learning for anyone who doesn't know um where you teach subjects through english rather than teaching english itself 
and you get this kind of synergistic effect of learning language and content. Um, and also, I, I've we've our our company AS Press has written a lot of graded readers, and we've made courses that are story based that are very holistic. So I'm, I'm really interested in holistic learning, especially for children, not not learning a language um, one word and one grammar point at a time. Um, Which so is kind of the um, the often the Japanese approach in uh, junior high schools and high schools is very grammar first, and I I think a lot of this comes from sort of the Noam Chomsky sort of old style it's a very old style of understanding how we understand language how we uh, acquire language mm -hmm. and actually uh, a lot of the more modern techniques and a lot of the more modern uh, philosophies of of uh, education um, focus more on like how do we learn language as children because we don't get it from mm -hmm. this sort of like understanding grammar directly and translating it into our base language you know children kind of have an inbuilt grammar so if you look at creole language right right um that's super interesting stuff like that uh there are uh languages where so a creole language for people who aren't aware is kind of uh, an invented language that's kind of uh, naturally occurring so like a, a group of people from different places come together they learn uh you know they point to the same thing and come up with the same words for it and what will happen is one generation to the next is that the first generation maybe will come up with the words for this so instead of you know bottle or something they'll say blue and then um the all of the people recognize okay so this is a blue now and then the next generation will create it's like because they've learned it from from a young age they create a grammar structure around it so grammar mm -hmm. seems to be like this naturally occurring thing right 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 in human culture which is fascinating so um it's not like you have to really teach it directly because children will um pull it together from from somewhere in their own brains it's like something that we're naturally good at Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're already off on a massive seg, um, kind of off course here, but I need, I need to respond to that because that's definitely really interesting. And, I and love it talking about this stuff, goes, so go ahead. goes very much along with my kind of understanding of how children learn language and some of the kind of problems in the industry um, and how they're not kind of giving young learners what they need. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we look at the way children learn, if we look at, um, broadly speaking, learning versus acquisition, right? So learning, um, acquisition learning is something that's kind of a natural process that happens with, with a lot of meaningful input, right? Um, and children up until roughly around 12, 11, 12, 13 years old, um, really have a quite a, a high potential, still have a lot of neuroplasticity and, and, and this great uh, potential for language acquisition. And it's right around the teen, the early teen years where that kind of drops off and the capacity for abstract thought or learning rather um, skyrockets. These two kind of like interchange, right? Um, so when, when we're teaching, we shouldn't really be teaching adults and children in the same way, um, which I think most people would agree with. Um, but if you do look at the, the standard course books for children on the market, you still see essentially a grammar syllabus. Um, and if you look at language acquisition, we know that like grammar uh, morphemes, uh, sorry, um, are are acquired, there is a predictable order that they're acquired in, uh, but it has nothing to do with what the course books say. Like for example, the third person asks is something that course books will spend several units on for, for kids, right? Some of the, the major books out there. Uh, but the third person asks is something that they're probably not going to inquire until much later on. They might, they'll be learning, you know, regular, uh, irregular past before that probably. Um, so, you know, trying to kind of force a, um, you know, create a system that you know, teaches everything in a certain order and teach it in that order to children. Um, it, I think it actually does work. Um, so I'm not going to completely refute 
what everyone else has done, but I don't think it works for the reasons that they think it does. They, they might think that children are learning these and then they'll be able to kind of piece together the grammar and vocabulary to express things in their mind, which I've seen fail <laughs> so many times. Um, but what it, I think what it does do is it does make them more able to notice the grammar patterns or whatever. And then through the meaningful stuff, like uh, what I would see in CLIL or, or extensive reading or that kind of thing, they'll have more chances to notice these things and they'll, they'll acquire it more quickly through that. But just the grammar syllabus by itself, um, it just, it isn't, it's kind of going against children's natural um, way of learning, right? Mm, that's very interesting. So I'm wondering whether um, your principles behind Gamerize Dictionary come from a similar sort of place where it's like, this is this isn't going to be some kind of grammar translation method. It's going to be um, that sort of more comprehensible input, something that they can basically understand without right. having to have too many priors. You know, you can right. You know, you can point to something, and then like when the kid points to it and says the same thing in the classroom as as you would. Right. Um, that is a way to build up a language base even though they might have you know and I almost never use Japanese in my classroom like I, I only use it and if something the child is doing is unsafe right um, and that's because you know you've got to keep them safe right but um, right. I don't use Japanese at all in the classroom and I found that what happens is the kids go like okay so I can't go back onto Japanese I can't rely on Japanese and so eventually and it takes a long time sometimes but eventually they go like okay so I'm not going to use Japanese in the class uh, because I, I don't think my teacher will understand it or listen to me um, right so uh, but I wonder if the way you think of it for game rice dictionary is to focus on something that they can just pick up without having to have priors Okay, so the answer is a little bit long to that, and I'll get I'll get there soon, hopefully. Okay. But um, so it it is kind of a tool for uh, rote learning. It isn't a tool that does the part of language learning um, that you would get through extensive reading or communication or task based learning or that kind of thing. What it does is it supports those things. Um, so yeah, I mean, going back again, so. Obviously, I'm interested in, in CLIL story-based learning, this more holistic approach to teaching. Um, and in through different things that I've uh, luckily been able to do in the, in the last um, 10 years or so, um, visiting other schools, training teachers, looking at different contexts. I, I, having spoken to you before, I think you've seen quite a few different contexts as well. I think you mentioned international school, uh, uh, working at Yochien's and Eikaiwa's and stuff like that. Um, so I've had a chance to see a lot of those things as well. and um, one of the things that I, there's two things that I would see that I, I, I always found a bit frustrating. And one is that a lot of time is spent in class doing uh, essentially drilling um, where, you know, kids are repeating language. They're just sort of identifying things and saying, saying the phrases, saying the, the words over and over again, uh, often through games, which is nice, um, but not necessarily meaningful games, sort of games that are just, you know, there to get them to kind of uh, drill in the language. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that that's all valuable, but the, the two things that I had a problem with there, one is that that takes up all of the class or most of it. Um, so if we think about the fact that children need, I mean, one of the key ingredients I think we can agree is, is time, right? Children, you know, an hour a week, just drilling a few phrases is not gonna get them very far. Mm. Uh, we know that if you take a, a child and you put them, you know, abroad, uh, a Japanese child, you put them in the United States or something for in about a year, they're going to come up with some pretty native sounding language abilities, right? Um, again, due to their natural abilities to acquire language. Um, but yeah, so 
yeah, so too much of the drilling and stuff like that in class and not enough of the kind of meaningful practice, right? So what what I, and then, so I guess what really got us, got me to the point of saying, okay, I'm gonna actually make something uh, was um, a couple years ago when we did, um, so when the pandemic just first started, right? Um, like everybody, our school got forced online. Um, and uh, I will admit right away, I, I didn't really like teaching children online. Teaching adults is great. Uh, teaching children <laughs> poses a whole slew of challenges. Um, one being it's very hard to kind of engage them. And the other thing is, is that the, the lessons seem to move really, really slowly. Um, and I would often, in order to kind of get to some kind of speaking task, I would have to sort of teach them some vocabulary, some phrases that they needed. And then by the time I finished that, there was like 10 minutes left for actual, you know, communication and speaking practice. Uh, and, you know, I, I started to experiment with, with, I mean, try to adapt however I could. I tried, checked out tools like, like Kahoot or Bamboozle. Um, I, I've known like Quizlet and stuff like that from before. But it just dawned on me that, you know, if the students could come to class and have that more drilly rote learned bit finished, then our class could just purely be used for, you know, the good stuff, the stuff that they couldn't really do without a teacher. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was the main thing. And, and, and I mean, it's true for online, but it's, it's, it's true for live classes as well. Um, if, if you're, you know, let's say your lesson is, you know, animals or something like that, right? And the kids come to class and they already know those animals. They can say them, they can spell them or whatever. Um, then what do you do with your hour in class? That's super interesting because I've, I've, as a, you know, a teacher for a long time, I've spent a lot of time, you know, with flashcards, like, you know, drilling right. kids on, on words. And that's often one of the things where the lesson, um, I'm not going to say it falls apart, but I'm saying that for some age groups, especially younger age groups, like I have a rule that, uh, for every year old, the child is, that's about how long they can concentrate on something. Oh, okay. Interesting. And so a three-year-old, you know, I've, I, I've picked up a few side gigs and stuff and I'm teaching some three, four-year-olds now. And, uh, you know, for, you can do uh, card drilling for a few moments. And then after a little while, the kid's just like, okay, what else is going on? Like yeah, <laughs> they, right. they lose concentration. So um, that's interesting that, you know, there are ways that you could do that with um, something like Gamerized Dictionary outside of the class. And then mm -hmm. when they come to class, they already know the words. So you can go straight into using them in context or uh, finding ways to, to sort of use them in a different way. So um what kind of feedback have you gotten from like teachers and parents and other uh, people using this app? Have they found that they use it the same way as you do? Or is there like a whole bunch of different ways that like maybe divergent ways that you're, that you're finding out from people like, oh yeah, this is how we use it. Yeah. Like, I never thought of that. You know? Right. Yeah, no, no, that, that's kind of the cool thing that I, I'm finding is definitely schools are kind of finding their own way of using it. And there's, I mean, there's loads of different kind of variations of it. Um, some one of the things I'm seeing a lot lately is actually um, schools, uh, language schools in particular, was that are that would have um, either like a Gakudo program or just kind of like a drop-in program. So instead of having a teacher, I mean, I think teachers do a lot of great things for kids, but you don't have to have a teacher like over your shoulder all the time, right? Um, there's so much kids can should and can do on their own, um, but they'll have like a room where. The kids have access to a library. They've got tablets with um, Gamerized Dictionary um, and a few other things like that. And then they might move around to stations or have some sort of free, some choice of what kind of activities they do. 
It sounds um, kind of like a, a Montessori style. Uh, that's something that I did a lot when I was a Montessori teacher. Yep. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, the, the, I think the, the whole idea of learning stations is, is that comes from Montessori. I think it, it comes from Montessori, yes. And I think it's uh, been adapted for other, other methods as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's been really cool to see. Um, using it in conjunction with, with reading, like uh, something like Raz Kids or whatever, often with, with graded reading um, in Japan, it's just quite popular and I think is a great, a great method. Um, essentially ingraded, I mean, if you go by the route, route like the, the, the theory itself, you shouldn't really be using a dictionary or really studying vocabulary as you're doing um, graded reading. But for, for a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of the reading resources that are available to kids in Japan, the vocabulary level tends to kind of explode a little too quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so by giving them a certain amount of like exposure to reading and writing the words in isolation before going into um, some reading, um, then, you know, they're able to, to, to get through that. And then that's where the, the kind of the rote learning of the vocabulary gets the meaning, you know, added to it. Um, they, they get that out of the way and that gives them access to be able to do more reading and maybe talking about the, the books and that sort of thing. We did um, uh, a summer event with a, uh, a programming school uh, called ProGlab, um, which I think are, are fairly well known, um, at an elementary school. And we had 40 students um, join this three, uh, no, one, three one-day events, three, so it was just one day per group. Um, and they, we did programming and robotics in English. Um, and in order for them to actually be able to do the tasks, like talk together, um, uh, design things, and then the final task that they were they were leading up to in this camp was that they would make a robotic zoo. They'd make animal robots and then program a car to go around their zoo, and then uh, actually give a, a spoken tour to um, the school principal who was uh, posing as a foreign dignitary, um, all in English. Um, and in order for them to do that, obviously there's a lot of vocabulary, there's a lot of phrases, simply things like, like what should we do next? Or uh, I, I think it should turn left here. Uh, those kinds of chunks that, that would help them to actually communicate about it. Um, so for about three weeks before the camp, uh, they studied a list of about 50 vocabulary items, uh, some of were phrases. Um, and after completing that, we did the event. And it, what was really cool about it was they, I mean, they used English the whole time. Um, otherwise, if we were, you know, there's no way you can get through 50 items of, of vocabulary for like in a lesson, right? It's just impossible. Mm -hmm. um, but they came already having done all of that. We could check it on the analytics. We could see that everybody had done it. Um, and boom, we just went into it. Um, and yep, they used the phrases. They spoke together. It was a, it was a really neat event. That's really cool because it's something that you can um, you can use as a support tool. Like you said, it's not something that's like, you know, I think people have this imagination that every tech tool is something that's going to replace the teacher, which mm. um, I think is kind of an absurd proposition. It's like, it's as if any language learning tool could like replace your mother right. or something, right. you know, like yep. where you're learning your language from. But um, I do wonder about, because uh, research that I've read like a, you know, a while ago was suggesting that things like video games and, uh, you know, videos and uh, multimedia kinds of ways of learning language, um, if the child is doing them by themselves, they don't necessarily 
understand how to put it into context. Like they might even say words, but just not really understand how to use it, not really get any meaningful feedback from it. Because at the end of the day, it's like a video or a game that's like mimicking, you know, uh, a human experience and mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't quite get there. So right. um, what do you do about people who are thinking that maybe they can just replace a teacher with oh okay just take an ipad that kid's going to learn english no problem by themselves and the teacher can just sit there on their phone or something mm -hmm. while the kid is playing with an ipad like um is there uh how, how do you find a way to use it um and also make sure that the people who are using your apps use them properly wow okay that 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 is a good question um and i mean i completely agree that it shouldn't be again like as we said at the outset it, it isn't something that you can learn a language completely through uh, by itself. Um, so my, my, my hope, I mean, if I'm to, to sort of say it in a kind of more of a lofty way, uh, I might be going a little bit off topic, but I'll try to come back, um, is that, I mean, I really, I, I'd like this to have the impact of changing um, education for young learners in Japan, in that I really want to get the, if, if, if um, you know, if the class that you tend to run is just rote learning and you're just doing you know drilling words and phrases or whatever and not doing anything else um we want to get that essentially automated <laughs> get the kids doing that on their own um and then it just makes the class then you really need to the teachers are going to need to think okay well what do we do next that that's already kind of done uh and i'm hoping that it's not you know more just more rote learning um hopefully they're not just kind of moving ahead they're doing other things with it but um i mean i i guess so far, there's a, probably about, we're, we're still in the early stages. We really just kind of launched in, in um, this April, I, I would say. Um, we have about 17 schools that are using it. Um, one, is, one is an elementary school. Most of them are, are Aikaiwas at the moment. Um, and most of them, I've had the chance to, I mean, uh, they'll contact me and we'll have a a discussion about it and I'll find out about their situation and discuss kind of what what would be a, a good use case for them and in most cases I'm finding um, I'm, I'm trying to encourage them to connect it to something that they're doing um, and not kind of use that as a tool by itself um, and yeah so I mean I think that's the ultimate thing is that it really just needs to be connected to something else in fact what we have found is that when um, when there isn't something else connected to it the retention on the app is not that high. Mm. Um, we've with uh, we did a, a beta test group again with the students at the program uh, at ProGlab last year, uh, where we just had twenty students and we said, okay, use it uh, and give us find bugs, uh, give us feedback, um, and that sort of thing. And out of twenty, I think one of them continued to use it for the rest of the year, uh, but the other ones kind of gradually stopped. And I think the main reason was they they didn't really know what content to pick. They didn't really have a reason for it um, because it isn't like a set course, right? Something like uh, like Duolingo, or something. Duolingo. I mean, that's a good good one to pick up. Yeah, that's a course, right? I mean, right. You, you, there's no what do I do next? It's just you keep following that straight line. Uh, where we don't really have that as much. There are, um, I mean, whatever everyone thinks about about Aiken or tests. I mean, that's that's personal opinion, and I'm not going to say that I'm I'm big on those myself. Uh, but we do have the content for all of those tests. So if a student does sort of go like, okay, I have a goal, I want to pass Aiken level three, they can plow, plow through that content and hopefully be doing reading and, and, you know, test prep as well. The important part of that is 
because uh, you have this product that you've created that has a specific goal, right? Is that you really you want to help ki kids to learn a lot of the words outside of class so that class right. time can be spent in a more meaningful way. Right. And I can understand if a teacher might see this tool and without knowing your educational philosophy behind it or how you intend to use it, yeah. it might just be like, okay, well, that can take up 20 minutes of class time if I'm, you know, if I haven't prepped properly and I just want to like, right, right. Attention for a little bit. Like I can just whip out the iPad and then, okay, here you go, kids, go do, do your thing. So how do mm. you, how do you um, help people who are using this app you know, newly using it to sort of use, integrate it properly into their curriculum so it's actually providing the function that it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm, okay, okay. A couple of things. First of all, I, I do the talking about actually using it in class. The elementary school that's using it now does use it in class. Um, and what I would say, in a sense, I think Gamerize Dictionary does a better job of the kids learning like target language or whatever um, than doing it as a group of 40 students at an elementary school. And one of the reasons is, is differentiation. Um, you can have, you know, in a group of 40 students easily have five or six different uh, content. I mean, in, in any given elementary school class, I think you said that you had taught at elementary schools as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've taught some elementary school age kids as well. Yeah. You, uh, in, in an elementary school class in Japan, typically you're going to have a huge range of levels, right? You're going to have some kids that just know nothing about English, some kids that have lived abroad, you know, some that, that are, you know, pretty serious about studying and that kind of thing. Um, and especially, you know, I, a lot of foreigners I know have their, their kids who speak fluent English in Japanese elementary schools. And that's like, what do you do during English time? Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, we did, uh, what was it? Uh, Banana janakute, banana. What does a native speaker child kind of do um, in a class like that? It must be, you know, yeah. humiliating. Um, but, you know, the teachers are able to kind of give very different content to them. And because they're learning it on their own, getting immediate feedback on their own pronunciation, um, error correction, you know, wh whether it's spelling or whatever, they, they'll know right away that they've made a mistake and get a second chance to, to finish it. It does that job actually better than you know, the drilling in class. Mm. <laughs> um, so that's still not really the answer to your question, but it was something I want to pick up. Um, and then making sure that they're, they're actually using it in the way that it's intended, I guess. Um, uh, so, I mean, the, the main thing would really be, they, they do, if it's used on a larger scale, like at, a, at an elementary school or, or, or an English school or something like that, we do usually start, well, we do, we always start with a consultation. Um, and that's, essentially how we kind of talk through how they might use it. We also do customize quite a lot of content for, for bigger schools. Um, often they'll say, oh, we're using this book. Uh, we, you know, they're taking this test, they're doing that or whatever. Um, and we'll try to put together custom uh, content for them um, and then also help them with assigning and that sort of thing. Um, so, I mean, there, there is, there's quite a lot of support in the beginning as we get bigger, that might be kind of difficult to sustain. Um, mm -hmm. so that, that's a really good question that you raise. I'll, I'll have to kind of, uh, yeah, think through yeah, that. Do you have worth, any suggestions um, for that? What would you, what would, what would you say? Yeah. I mean, we can talk about this afterwards. It might be worth, um, creating some sort of online, you know, how to use our course kind of, uh, videos, mm -hmm. you know, like a, a structured video series that you can put on YouTube or something. So mm -hmm. anyone who uses the app can go, Oh, okay. I didn't realize you can't just like give the kid the iPad and let them go like do whatever they want. Like maybe you should integrate it into your curriculum somehow and then use, you know, this one for this lesson and this one for this le lesson. But, um, 
Yeah, and uh, I, I guess because you've just started recently, like there's probably a, a sort of a first focus that you have. Um, I wonder if you're planning, because uh, as you said, that younger kids maybe learn in a different way than older kids. Older kids are more capable of abstract thought. Mm -hmm. um, so do you, uh, is this also useful for older children who are learning? You know, because I've, I've taught junior high school kids who so it's their first, you know, maybe they've done a little bit of uh, English language education in elementary school now, but um, yeah, they, they, have very little English ability. Is this something that you would still use for older kids as well? Uh, by older kids, do you mean like uh, early teens? Yeah, or? early teens, like junior high school or high school age, like for kids who are maybe behind a little bit or um, mm -hmm. who have started English recently and they're not right. really that confident in it. Yeah, um, so our, our target age is really grade one to six is kind of what we planned for. Um, I'm not a huge fan of kids younger than six years old spending a lot of time on a tablet yeah um, so i mean we're most mostly shooting for elementary school um we're definitely finding grade three four five sixes as a, as a really strong the, the kids really kind of use it the most consistent some of the students that we have been using it since we first started developing it um you know have been using it consistently for over a year and have studied a couple thousand words wow. um are, are kind of in that that age range uh, we did some research um and some surveying on uh, teenagers, because we were trying to really figure out what our target was when we were first designing it. Um, and we, we, were, we were luckily able to uh, survey a, an entire um, junior high school and high school. Uh, and we did a kind of a mood board thing where, with the, you know, the RPG gamified looking app, and then something that was a lot more stripped down and, and, and more serious looking, right? Mm -hmm. We asked them, which one would you prefer to use and why? Um, and interestingly, in grade grade one of junior high school, that was really popular. Um, more than eighty percent chose the, the the very gamified looking app. Um, that drop drops quite quickly around Chu Sang, like grade three of junior high school, uh, where it gets more like around fifty fifty. Um, and then, interestingly, in the first year of high school, it goes up again. Oh, interesting. Um, and then gradually goes down. And what, what we've kind of figured out is that the proximity of um, entrance exams uh, really much changes very much the the thinking and the goals and stuff of the students. Right. right? There's kind of like a level of seriousness uh, about their, their study. And also, I think, a level of familiarity, right? If they're just like, okay, I, if I can just get my little, you know, red sheet of paper or like my right. red see-through thing, put it on uh, the yeah. book learn all of these vocabulary words and check them, then maybe I can pass the test. Yes. Um, and that, yeah. maybe that uh, is more important to them than actually learning English, which is right. kind of ironic. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the, the gamification starts to be seen as more of like a, a barrier. It's like some, it just gets in the way. They just want to kind of get it, get it out. So, mm -hmm. mm, but definitely great. I mean, we do have a lot of teenagers and, and, you know, grade, yeah, first year or second year that, that use it and are, are really into it um but yeah it's a bit it could be a bit slower I, it, it is different like I, I like that you mentioned the the, the idea of using the, the what is it called <laughs> that red sheet and yeah I, I don't know what that's called but I I tried that for Japanese and I got bored of it in like five minutes but right. I see kids on the train doing that all the time like covering the words with that little yeah. red sheet and the book is actually printed in like red type so it's easier for the kids to just do that and, right. Uh, I, I've never really understood it to my to to be honest myself because for me, rote learning words like that has never worked. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it 
it has worked a lot for me. I mean, I, I when I first learned Japanese, I, I managed to pass JLBT level one in about three years from arriving in Japan. And I'd studied a massive amount of flashcards. Um, but the thing is, I, I, I mean, I, I did, um, obviously I had a lots of other opportunities to use it. And I, I mean, it's in Japan, right? So there was, there was more than just that rote learning. Um, and I also kind of stumbled across um, spaced repetition at the time, which I, I, I didn't know about it, but I kind of had a system where I kind of mark my cards and sort them. And if I made mistakes, I'd put them in this pile. I was, I was super geeky about it. Um, but, um, but space repetition is one thing that obviously works really, really well. I would think that most of those kids, if they're, they're studying before that week's vocabulary test, chances are 80% of those words will be forgotten the following week. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely a piece of it. Yeah. Um, Adam, it's been absolutely fantastic to talk with you about this. I'm really uh, interested to see how uh, the Game Rise Dictionary, uh, how it improves and how it reaches more people. I really, um, I'm also hoping for your success in changing the way Japanese education does these kind of things, because I'm, I'm also kind of tired of the uh, sort of boring, rote, uh, grammar-focused uh, education and I would love to see Japanese people more able to speak and understand and use English so uh, I'm hoping for your success as well so um, where can people find out more about uh, Gamerize Dictionary and what you do? Just check out gamerize-dictionary.com um, that would be the the site for um, for schools or for institutions um, and you'll, you'll find lots of information a few videos on there uh, and then if you're interested in content contacting us to set up a, a trial at your school or with a, a group of students. Um, just fill out the, the application form there and then we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you. If you enjoyed that episode and you like what we're doing with Inside Japan, please consider going to iTunes and giving us a five-star rating and sharing this episode with a friend who you think it might be useful for. As always, a huge thank you to jobsinjapan.com for sponsoring this podcast. And if you're looking for our other episodes, you can find them there and keep us in mind next time you're looking for work in Japan. Thanks so much for listening and see you again soon.